You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. At the, the Lamb of God, and that's, that's the Lamb who's thrown. We will gather around on that last day. Hear again those words from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And, and after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Right, like, I I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, from people, from all peoples, from all languages, all gathered around the throne of God, crying out in one voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The the, the death and resurrection of Jesus is meant to unite us. It's meant to unite us with God and to unite us with one another. In Genesis 2, we see Adam and Eve walking in perfect harmony with God and perfect harmony with, with each other. But then sin entered the world. Right, that, that perfect relationship that Adam and Eve had with God was broken. And so they, they hide from him because they're ashamed. But not only is the relationship with God broken, but Adam and Eve's relationship with each other is broken. Right? They start blaming each other. Some of the very first words out of Adam's mouth after they get caught are, the woman made me do it. Right? Hey, uh, husbands, just quick advice, don't say that today, especially, or ever. Uh, right? The woman made me do it. It's all her fault. Relationships broken, and it just keeps getting worse from there because just a short time later, their oldest son, Cain, kills their youngest son, Abel. And so from that moment on, right, all relationships are and will be broken. But also from that moment on, God puts his action, in, puts into action his plan for reconciling his people back to himself, right? Reconcile, reconciliation. That's a big word that we really don't use very often unless you're in accounting. And who would be in accounting, right? Woo! Right, Lori? Just super fun, huh? Right? Um, but but the, the, the way that we're going to define reconciliation is to return to a right relationship, right? And so there, there's been a relationship that's been broken, and so to reconcile, to, to have reconciliation is to return to a right relationship as though that brokenness never happened, right? And that's what God immediately does, starting already in Genesis 3, it is putting into, plan, into action his plan for reconciling his people back to himself, right? So from, from Genesis 3 all the way through the Old Testament, God is pointing his people forward towards uh, an event that will come that they don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but an event that will come that will reconcile them back to himself, right? And that all points to Jesus. That all centers around Jesus. And then on the cross and through the empty tomb, Jesus opens the way to reconciliation, reconciliation back to God, 
right? Back to a right relationship as if the offense, as if the, the sin never happened. And today we got to watch God work his reconciliation through what we call the means of grace, right? Through the word and sacraments. God's word and sacraments reconcile us back to God. And so this weekend, early last night, Riker, and then today, Beckham and Teddy and Carter were reconciled back to God through the waters of baptism. And so now when, when God looks at them, right, they're, they're wearing white for a reason today, right? Because when God looks at them, He sees them clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness in those white robes like we got to picture in Revelation chapter 7, the, the robe, white robes standing around the altar. But as Luther would say, daily we sin much. We, we, we break our relationships with God again and again, and so we need God's forgiveness again and again. And so, so that's why we come into worship, because when we hear God's Word, when we receive absolution, the, the forgiveness of sins, when, when we eat and drink His body and His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we are reconciled back to God. Right, this weekend, I've had communion twice already, and I'm going to have it again today because it's not like I just need it every once in a while. I need it as often as I can possibly get it because I sin over and over again. I want reconciled back to God. I want God's forgiveness as often as possible, and that's what we, we get from God's Word and in His sacraments. Right, God's Word and sacraments reconcile us back to God. But again, it's not just reconciliation to God that we need. Right? Turn on the news today, scroll through social media, and you'll see dozens of stories about people who are unreconciled. Right? Disunity among people, racial divides, exploitations of all kinds, entitlement. Actually, you probably don't need to turn on the news. Right? Look around. Look into your own relationships, and you'll see brokenness everywhere even amongst God's people. So that's why I always love to look ahead to that last day, right? I love to read Revelation and look, look ahead to that last day, that day when we will be fully reconciled back to God, that day when we will be fully reconciled uh, to those around us, when we will stand around the throne clothed in white robes, praising God together in one voice, right? That's a day that we look forward to, that's what we get a glimpse of in Revelation chapter 7. Again, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Right? That's what we have to look forward to. That's what will happen when, when Jesus will return to, to fully reconcile us back to God and back to one another. But today, that's a day that we're called to work towards. Not, not that we could ever get anywhere near that here on this earth, but, but that's what we're called to work towards, to work towards reconciliation between each other. So how do we do that, right? How do we work towards reconciliation? How do we work towards returning to a right relationship with those around us? Well, the author of Hebrews gives us an example of what not to do. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it 
many become defiled. Right? When someone hurts you, your sinful nature holds on to that and loves to turn that into anger. And so there are a lot of times, maybe in our Christian world, uh, what a lot of us do is we're just, I'm just going to take the high road, right? Yes, that was very hurtful to me, but, but time heals all wounds, and so I'm just going to take the high road, I'm going to bury that, and I'm going to move forward. But what happens when you take a seed, and you bury it, and you walk away? What happens to that seed? So I'm going to ask you questions, and you're going to talk to me today, okay? Uh, So what happens when you take a seed, and you bury it, and walk away? What happens? It grows, right? And so when we plant the seed of bitterness or a seed of unforgiveness, that plus time equals growth. So on the screens uh, is, is is a group of trees called the Albizia falcata tree. Does anybody know what's special about the Albizia falcata tree? Anybody know their arbory stuff. This is the fastest growing tree in the world. All right, so the, the Albizia falcata tree. So if you took an Albizia falcata tree seed home and you planted it in the ground and you watered it for a year, what would happen? Nothing would happen. What about after year, what about during year two? What would happen during year two? Remember, you got to talk to me. What would happen during year two? Nothing. What would happen during year three? Nothing. What would happen during year four? Nothing. What would happen during year five? No, not nothing. Don't be ridiculous. During year five, this tree will go thir- grow 30 feet in 30 days. A foot a day. You can actually hear the tree growing because you can hear the bark cracking as it grows. Okay, so during those first four years, was it actually doing nothing? No, what was it doing during those first four years? It was growing roots, hundreds of feet of roots in all direction, gathering strength, gathering nutrients, getting ready to blast this thing out of the ground. Hopefully you didn't plant it and then forget about it and like build a gazebo right there, right? But this is what the author of Hebrews is talking about when he says, let no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. So what should you do? Should you just just give it to Jesus? Right, great, that's super helpful, right? Has anyone ever told you when you're hurting, just give it to Jesus? Right, that's about the same as like when you're sick, hey, just get better. It's not a very helpful response, right? If, if you could just flip a switch and give it to Jesus and be done with it, you would. We all would. But it's not that easy. The tough thing is we're held to a really, really high standard. Colossians 3, 13 says, forgive just as the Lord forgave you. All right, so what I want you to do is I need you to picture a set of like those old-fashioned scales right, that looks like a teeter-totter, that you put weight on both sides and see which one's heavier, right? So I want you to picture those old scales, and I want you to think of a person that's hurt you, right? Think of a person that has sinned against you, and, and think of every single thing that they've done against you, and I want you to put all of that right here on this side of the scale, okay? You got that? 
And now I want you to think of every sin that you've ever committed against God. And I want you to pile that up on this side of the scale. All right, again, this is not a rhetorical question. I need your participation in this. Which side is going to be heavier? The, the side that someone sinned against you or the sins that you've committed against God? Which side? Point. Right? You're all pointing this way, right? When, when this passage, forgive just as the Lord forgave you, God is saying, look at how much I've forgiven you. Look, look at how much I've wiped away off of your slate. Now go be like me and forgive that person that has hurt you really deeply. So how do we do that? How do we forgive as the Lord forgave you? Right? Not when I want to forgive. Not, not, when, not when they change their behavior, then I'll forgive. Not, not when they get what there's, what's coming to them. Right? Sometimes we want to forgive people after, quote-unquote, karma has hit them. Right? Then, oh, I can forgive because they've already gotten what they deserved. Or, or not even when they ask for forgiveness, right? Because if God's forgiveness was conditional on those things, we'd be hurting. But forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Right, I'm going to offer three phases of forgiveness today. First is forgiveness with your will. Right, again, think of that person that you just piled up all these sins against. And today, when you go home, I want you to make a list. Write all, every single thing that they've done against you. Now, don't mail it to them, please, uh, but, but, but write out a list. And then what I want you to do is grit your teeth and pray something like this. Pray, God, you command me to forgive this person, but they don't deserve my forgiveness. They haven't asked for my forgiveness. They haven't changed their behavior but fine, I'll do it because you told me to do it. I choose to forgive them for this, right? And then you work down your list. I choose to forgive them for this. I choose to forgive them for this, All right? And then you read through that list and you get rid of it, All right? This already begins the process of releasing bitterness from your life, All right? But this is, you know, who is doing this step? Who's doing phase one? It's me. It's, it, it's you, Right? It, you have to choose to take this step. So that's forgiveness of the will. The next phase is forgiveness with the heart. And this phase is daily prayer. Prayer like this. God, I've chosen to forgive them, but I still have anger and resentment and bitterness and hatred in my heart. But I don't want it anymore. I don't want to live my life this way. God, please drain all of the angerness and all of the bitterness and all of the resentment and all the hatred from my heart so that I can move on. I can move forward. Amen. All right, now, now this prayer, this doesn't happen overnight. This might be a daily prayer that you pray for a week. This might be a daily prayer that you pray for years. But in this phase, who's doing the work in all of this? It's God, right? God is working that forgiveness in you. This is not something that you can do on your own. You can not drain that bitterness. Only God can heal the wounds that I know many of you have. And then all of this might lead to reconciliation, 
Again, reconciliation is when that relationship is healed. Again, phase one is your job, right? You are forgiving them with your will. Phase two is, is God's job. He is, he is working forgiveness in your heart as you pray that prayer over and over again. But then phase three, reconciliation. Who's going to be the main player in that? It's not me. It's not God. It's the person who sinned against you. Right, because if that person is not willing to admit their sin, if that person is not willing to change their behavior, then reconciliation can never happen. And that's sad. But it depends on both parties. We're all parties for reconciliation to be able to happen. Because you might be able to forgive them with your will, you might be able to forgive them with your heart, with God working through that, but that might not lead to re- reconciliation yet. But there are some relationships that might be restored, right? There are some relationships where where both parties can come together and both parties can work together to move forward as though those hurts, as though those sins have never happened, to rebuild that relationship. And so because some might be restored, right, you never give up. You never, you, you, you continue to pray. You continue to work towards reconciliation, all the while looking forward to that last day. That last day when, when all will be gathered around the throne, praising God with every nation and tribe and people and language reconciled back to God and back to each other in perfect harmony, right? Those that God has worked reconciliation in here on this earth will be fully reconciled to God on that last day. And what a glorious day that will be, right? We got to see a glimpse of it today with three children reconciled back to God. And we get to see it fully on that last day when Jesus returns to gather his people around the throne for all time. What a glorious day that will be. A day to look forward to and a day to work towards. Amen? Amen. Amen.